Hi, my name is Mary Spender, and you are listening to Tuesday, 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 Tuesday Talks. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Talks, the podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. First of all, I am very excited about this episode because it is with my good friend Rhett Shull, and we have a habit of jumping on the phone just for a quick chat, talking about some projects that we've been working on or just talking about YouTube and our day jobs. Um, And we end up talking for hours because yes, we like to talk, um, but also we have so much in common, um, which is such a an amazing thing. And this is the thing I'm most grateful for about YouTube. And it's this whole community that that is growing every day, whether it's you guys listening or whether it's um, other YouTube creators who are doing the hustle, making the videos, um, making music, playing guitar. And to meet someone like Rhett, who, you know, lives in Atlanta in the USA, and I live in Brighton in England. um, And for us to have so much in common, it's just, it's really quite wonderful. And we've sort of become maybe each other's therapists every so often. And this is one of those conversations. We like to talk to each other about creativity. We like to talk to each other about fitness. And this conversation is exactly that. We talk about songwriting, guitars, cycling. And um, yeah, we talk about uh, some of the music we've worked on together this year, which is the Lone Wolf EP. And I'm really excited. I do have updates with that. Um if you are wondering, I've been I've been talking about this record for a while because it's been ongoing and, you know, it's it's strange because being on YouTube now, uploading every week, I'm not hiding away recording this record. I'm I am out in the open recording this record. And I've just got the final mixes back um, and it's just being sent off to mastering. So it will be out late October and I'm so, so excited. But in the meantime, because of this amazing uh, sponsored series I've been doing for DistroKid on YouTube, I've recorded another single. So that single will be out on the 27th of September. It's completely separate from the EP. It's just it's just another song that I feel very strongly about and I want to I want to put out into the world because I think other people will resonate with it. It's very very specific, but um and it's a very very small story, but I think uh anyone I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's a very simple song, um, but a sad song. So that will be out on the 27th of September. There is actually a a hyperfollow link um, in the liner notes of this. And also, you know, this podcast has actually gone live on Rhett Shell's podcast, The Backstage Journal with Rhett Shell. And so if you've listened to this over there, I apologize that this is um, us collaborating, us taking 90 minutes of audio and just putting it on both of our channels just so that most people can hear it. Um, but I'm very, very excited about you hearing this because we just go on and on and on. And it's it's nice I think to have something that's completely unfiltered, um, you know, how it is with YouTube videos, we can edit ourselves into being the person we want to be. But when it comes to having just a conversation with someone, this is real, like there's no hiding here. Um, so I hope you appreciate our honesty and yeah, I'm uploading this on Tuesday, the 17th of September, but, um, I have just been, away 
I ran away into the mountains thanks to a friend of mine who um, very kindly uh, gave me a place to stay in Chamonix in France, which is a place that I have wanted to visit for a very, very long time because of the Tour de France. And um, we actually talk about cycling in this podcast and I hadn't I hadn't even thought about this trip yet, I don't think, or maybe I was just about to take it. But I went with my father, um, who we haven't gone on holiday together since 2011, so it was overdue trip. And um, he acted as my, my, I don't know how to describe it, as like my teammate or manager or whatever and he helped me up um some some tour de france climbs so when rhett was editing the audio of this podcast he sent me a message and i was literally on my bike on my way up a hill um and these aren't just like little bumps in the road these are massive you know they're called climbs because you're basically going no miles an hour and it's just uphill for a few hours and um this was real grown up cycling that i just managed to do and it's something i get to tick off my bucket list but actually it's just made me want to do it more um because there's nothing else you can do when you're cycling like i can't listen to music cuz that's super dangerous i'm just out there um luckily i've got a little gps system now so i can actually follow a route rather than getting lost all the time like i used to but I was just out and I sent Rhett a video of me on my bike saying I couldn't come to the <laughs> couldn't come to the phone right now and it was probably like the most arrogant video I've ever sent to someone who I know loves cycling too. So um that's why uh Rhett has already uploaded this podcast. He's been very hard working, got it out there and uh this is now my uh contribution. So I have rambled on a lot long enough. Um let's get into the show. Dude, look at this road bike tan I, look, look at that <laughs> <laughs> that is what i've managed to avoid oh that's so i just noticed that on the camera here that's embarrassing i'm gonna have to like this is how we're starting the podcast showing off your terrible <laughs> tan, terrible tan. <laughs> yeah but isn't it annoying though because um that's exactly what ha- like you have to wear cycling jerseys i was trying to find i don't think men could ever do this because you know it would look strange, but actually Iron Men do it. They wear tri suits and then they just have like, you know, basically strappy tops, but for men. Right. What are they called? Uh, <laughs> Tank well, tops. Like, don't, isn't there like the cycling bib, like where it's the short that goes up into the overall straps? Is that what you're talking about? No, because those go underneath. Oh, so right. a, tri, a tri suit is slightly different um, because you need to be able to swim in it, uh, cycle <laughs> in it, and run in it. So it's. Um, and it doesn't really have, I don't think it has the same sort of pockets and they might even sometimes slip on a cycling jersey. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like there's no, even for women, like it'd be great just to have something that I don't understand why you have to have sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> it creates true. the worst tan lines. Like it, it's yeah. t-shirt, t-shirt tan lines on crack. It's legitimately <laughs> embarrassing. You know, it shows but, that I ha- But some people, some people are proud of that. Some cyclists go, go sunbathing <laughs> in their cycling <laughs> outfit. Honestly, I'm not kidding. Some people have done that. Not me. I'm not. I'm not that keen. But some people at university used to do that. They used to go sunbathing in their cycling kit. Well, my, the worst thing, is, and I don't know that I want to show YouTube this, but my legs, the top of my knees, I have. It, it's like a a border of where my shorts were. Oh yeah. And the top oh, yeah. of my knees, it's it's like a before and after it's it's horrific <laughs> yeah awesome well 
Uh, good to talk to you again. <laughs> That's it. I mean, <laughs> we should just we should stop. That's the end of the podcast. There you go, everyone. Let's talk about cycling. <laughs> Let's alienate our audience more. Right. Um, Let's but that's awesome. I've been seeing uh, the proof of sweats that Tilly's been sending me. Oh my God. Yeah, you've very, actually very been good. a huge inspiration for, well, both of us on that. Like I bought a road bike, probably 85% because of talking to you and getting to know you about it. Uh, and then she's been like motivated <laughs> because she's been like trying to grow her Instagram and stuff. And so she wants to do it so that she can like post the hashtag like, oh, let's go ride so I can like put the proof of sweat up. So mm -hmm. good work. I know. Honestly, it effect. gets me to the gym. Yeah. It gets me to the gym. Yeah. I had to go to the gym just before. I mean, today has been like a firefighting day, as I mentioned over text, but I was like, if I don't get a workout in before I then, you know, shower and put on makeup mm -hmm. for a video, uh, I won't do anything. So I had to go and do leg day, which I hate with all my might. Like the funniest thing is I think people think that I enjoy it. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning to deal with it and I enjoy the benefits of it. Um, but working out is hard. That's why I'm glad you got into cycling because I love cycling yeah. and I need to do more of it. Um, and the video with Francis was like, kind of like a, Hey, you need to spare yourself on to go cycling. Um, but winter's about to hit us. So. Oh yeah. You guys I'm have gonna... gnarly winters. I mean, I, the thing is, and maybe there's a, that's a tie into music and, and everything. I, I hate the gym with the fiery passion of a thousand sons, I have never enjoyed going to the going to the gym or working out because to me, I need like um, maybe not purpose is the right word, but I need a like a start and an end point. And for me, like the you need idea, a coffee shop. yeah, the idea of the gym <laughs> is like okay, I'm gonna go into this building that smells bad and is full of a bunch of weird people. Uh, looking at themselves in the mirror and I'm just going to take this heavy thing and I'm going to move it around a bunch of times <laughs> and then do that for an hour and then leave. Uh -huh. In my ma mind, it just is like, I would rather just get on my bike and like go ride somewhere. Like mm -hmm. the idea of a treadmill or even a bike trainer, I am not into. Like I, yeah. I need to go and do something and like accomplish, you know, like covering a certain amount of distance. But yeah. Yeah. I, the gym is not for me. I tried going to the gym when, when we got, when Tilly and I were getting married like two and a half years ago, I was like, I need to get in shape for the wedding. And I signed up for the gym membership. I paid for one training session with the trainer. The dude almost mm -hmm. made me puke and I never went mm -hmm. back. I was like, mm -hmm. nah, I, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> you have to, I mean, I'm, I also hated the gym. It, it took me I've only really been properly working out for two years and it's only been since October that I've actually like seen any benefit. No, not even since October. I'd say February have I seen any benefits. Yeah. Um, because beforehand I was just like doing it once a week with a personal trainer because I was just trying to make sure I had someone to hold me accountable. Right. Because otherwise I am the laziest person in the world and I was overweight for like a really, really long time. But um, he got me really motivated into doing doing workouts in the gym and making it fun for yourself and, and showing how you can progress quite quickly. Yeah. But I also saw it as like the fact that I could go cycling after not really being cycling and actually handle a long ride was because of me going to the gym and losing weight. Yeah. Because like if, if you're lighter on the bike and then also you've been doing squats, <laughs> like you're only faster on the bike. Yeah. Like it doesn't do any harm. Right. Obviously you need to be going out riding and that also helps your cardio, but um, sometimes there is benefit to going and lifting some of those heavy things. Also, 
if you're ever angry <laughs> and I I don't want to paint a picture of myself where I'm like, oh, I'm an anger person, but I'm I'm not I, I like getting like pumped up right. and listening to like muse yeah. on a on a Spotify playlist and like rock music yeah. and then going and lifting some heavy things. It makes me feel indestructible. Even though I think you might have even seen on Instagram because I put up a story of it. I went out with some friends. Um, one of them likes boxing and he was trying to teach oh, me how to box. Yeah. And then he just picked me up and just carried me down the street. And I was like, cool, I would literally be screwed if I ever had a fight, even though I've been trying to train for like a year in so boxing. Was that guy like a legit MMA fighter or was he just no. a, a friend of yours? He's actually, he's a guitarist. Okay. I'm not, I'm not even sure if he's a serious uh, boxer or fitness guy, but I, I know that he's into MMA yeah. as am I. I'm getting into it too, which is such a guilty pleasure because it's so brutal and awful to watch. But, Zapata's um, really into MMA too. Like he's really into that stuff. Who is? Sorry? Z Zapata, Eric Zapata. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. like super into that stuff. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> it, it, the Muse thing is funny because I'm not, I've never been the type of person that really had got into like super heavy music or like when it wanted to go to a hardcore show and get in a mosh pit, but I love muse. And every mm -hmm. time I have seen them live, which is twice now, or even when I listen to them, it makes me feel like, yeah, I'm, 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 let's go set something on fire. Like let's start a riot <laughs> right now, man. Like this is, this is the uprising. We're going to do it. I saw them live in Atlanta yeah. a few years ago and I was so fired up watching Matthew mm -hmm. Bellamy just go in on stage and then he like kicked his amp over and there was this big LCD wall on the back of the stage. He took his guitar and threw it into the giant screen and like oh, rock and roll, man. So good. I mean, he is who I want to be. Yeah. Like I want to be Matt Bellamy. <laughs> like everything about my whole career. And also actually... Um, so that we do talk about something eventually about what we've been working on, which is really long time ago now, but it's actually in the process of one day being released sometime mm -hmm. soon, mm -hmm. uh, delayed due to LA fires. Um, uh, uh, Darling, You Need Therapy on the new EP. There is a moment where I, I played it to my parents and my mum loves music, but she's not, I wouldn't say she's like a rock connoisseur. Yeah. My dad is much more like into rock music and stuff and guitar stuff, but um, neither of them actually play. And uh, I, I made her listen to Darling, You Need Therapy. And she, they were both blown away by actually being rock music, finally. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, thank God, this is where we always thought you were going. And then right. it went to like plinkety plonkety acoustic <laughs> music. And I was like, well, that's because I couldn't fund a band. But anyway, right. and then um, my mum put the uh, headphones down afterwards and she went, well, it sounds like Muse because Adam <laughs> does the bass line where it's like, dum, 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 yeah. dum. Um, and then I've been listening to like Muscle Museum recently being like, oh yeah, it's the same bass line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so awesome. It sounds great. Like I got two more, I got the final first pass through this morning of um, the first two tracks, which are closer to where the others will be. The others were um, just like slightly off in, in terms of vibe. They were a bit sort of spring reverb vintage rather than like plate reverb which is where i was going right um so uh theo's doing a great job but he's yeah just gonna do a second pass but um i'm just so excited about that record now yeah, having I, heard I, that i'm excited to hear it like i it's been a long enough for me now that like i forgot what i played on the <laughs> stuff so uh, because what's interesting so the video that i made where i was tracking guitars for your stuff and for mm -hmm. noah's stuff at the same time 
I got Noah's masters the other day and mm. it was like listening to it for the first time. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that part was there. I completely forgot I did that. Oh, that's cool. And you start to listen back and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I was in a good space that day, which isn't always the case, yeah. but that day I was. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about this. I recently played in the UK for my first time in mm. London and, and I didn't make it. You didn't make it because <laughs> I went up north. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. I'm terrible it's with my diary. Like I just like came over all the way over to your side of the fun and whatever. It's fine. <laughs> just for me. Yeah. Anyways, it was a big just for <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, no, that was my first time playing in like Europe, and I'm going back mm -hmm. in December. Um, I was actually just talking with Paul Davids yesterday about it. The, the first show on our tour in December, apparently, it's like really close to where he lives, and it's. I think he was saying he used to work or teach at the venue that we're playing in on that Whoa, first okay. run. Yeah, so that's going to be cool. But I noticed such a big difference between the crowd in London and how they mm -hmm. uh, partake in the musical experience versus the crowds mm -hmm. in North America, primarily, primarily the United States. Like, mm -hmm. And I want to know your thoughts on this. Um, everybody there, even though most of the people at that festival didn't know us, didn't know Noah's music, there was such uh, an attention that pe people were actually listening. People were mm -hmm. into the music. And after the first or second chorus, people were singing along and actually wow. appreciative of what we were doing on stage. And I think to, to me, what I noticed was there, even though it was a festival and people were there to have a good time, it was the idea that, yes, we're we're here to see live music. And so we're going to appreciate and pay attention to the music. Whereas mm -hmm. in the States, even if it's a concert that you're headlining, a lot of times the mentality is more like, oh, yeah, we're here to like have a good time and uh, we're going to, you know, catch some of this band. And until they play the song that I know, I'm going to like sit here and chat with my friends and not really be into it. Mm -hmm. So... Is that just London or is that like the rest of the UK? Like, I loved it. Okay. I think there are a few points. So if, uh, it's a testament to you guys as a band because like if you were rubbish, people wouldn't listen. So firstly, you're a great band. Uh, secondly, I think um, English audiences possibly are changing in terms of I think we know how lucky we are when a band comes over um, because of everything that's happening at the moment that like, I think people are just being a bit more appreciative of, of getting out the house, of going, doing things. Um, I think they've always been a very polite audience in the right setting. Uh, English people are, can be very, very polite. There is, there is that, you know, stereotype. Um, and what I've found, even when I've played like rock gigs, people will be dead silent, like through the performance. Um, and all the gigs I go to in London, like people, you know, like going to a Joey Landris gig or something, like there were 600, 700 people in that room and you could hear a pin drop. Um, no one was talking loudly. Um, and it was just, but that again is a testament to Joey. So I think it's just about the artist being able to handle the crowd and that goes for anywhere in the world. Um, but yeah, I think I think people are just really learning to 
appreciate what's going on in front of them. And also, you know, you probably had some fans turn up if people knew you were in London, like you've got a presence. Um, Noah's obviously got a presence. So people are going to appreciate that. I think, you know, I obviously love English audiences. They're, um, they're pretty much the majority of who I've played to, but um, I think they're changing and evolving mm. and becoming a little bit more appreciative. I think there maybe was a time where obviously hardcore music fans have always been appreciative, but I think there was a time where people didn't really realize what was happening. Yeah. Um, and now I think people realize that the struggle is real Yeah. <laughs> and, and they know that music is not earning the same amount of money that it used to. But then there's also like a super long heritage of music here. So um, although we're not super into blues and rock and roll um here like it's often what's being led in the charts but because of spotify because of online services and because of youtubers i think all that's changing anyway so i think people are just finding that they don't have to listen to the top 40 anymore they can listen to what they want to listen to and people are making music that they want to listen to yeah so um that's my goal anyway it's like I'm just going to make the music that I want to make. And if people want to join me on that, great, because then I can keep on making it. But if I try and start making something that I just think is going to be popular, I'm going to fail at that. Oh, yeah. So that's going to kill my career almost immediately. So I might as well just do what comes naturally and feels good to me. And then, um, you know, the same goes for our videos as well. Like we're just making the videos that we want to make. We have no one managing us being like, you need to do this. You need to do this. Yeah. So gone off on a rant but you know well i does yeah that make sense? I, I i did that with my videos for a little while too where i i would sit and like just pick apart like oh what's gonna be the most successful thing that i can do and those were like my worst videos because they yeah, weren't interesting always. and it wasn't what i wanted to say it wasn't what i wanted to do and on on the flip side of that it's been the stuff that i've been most excited to share and make and talk about that does that does well and musically i think it's the same way and what i've noticed about the the uk is like you know noah is an americana rock artist you know his records are more americana the live show is definitely more loud and raucous and, and fun but not to say that his records aren't fun but i've noticed that there's a a pretty big thirst i think in the uk for like americana and country acts the the festival we played was in canary wharf and it was called nashville meets london mm -hmm. and um it was a solid turnout for that festival man like there was a lot mm -hmm. of people there there was people dressed up like americans which was hilarious like what <laughs> what uh people thought uh londoners thought people in nashville would dress like Obviously, there's a sense of satire in that, but that was awesome to see. So <laughs> it's cool to see that like, yeah, there's there's a thirst for that kind of stuff there because in, in the States, especially here in the Southeast, I think it can be kind of underappreciated, the more singer-songwriter Americana stuff. Um, Is that because it's oversaturated? I think it's oversaturated and people here don't have an appreciation for it and they just want to see like Luke Bryan or Eric Church or any of the bro country right. acts i mean who doesn't like pickup trucks and beer though <laughs> look like, i'm maybe i'm just gonna release that song just to annoy you and get you to play guitar i'm just gonna be like have you heard trucks <laughs> have you heard uh park down by the lake no oh man i gotta i gotta turn you on to this it's i literally haven't listened to any of their music i feel no bad. no no this is this is a satirical song that was put out by a uh i, I believe a pretty um successful nashville writer who goes under the pseudonym of Dean Summerwind 
and they just put out this song called Park Down by the Lake. And it's like a fully uh-huh. produced, sounds like top 40, uh-huh. bro country, pop country song. And it's, uh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but yeah, you should okay. check it out. Pa- Park Down it. by the Lake, Dean Summerwind. <laughs> so um, funny story with that Canary Wharf area. And obviously I didn't realize that's where you were playing until uh, I think you posted a picture. In possibly 2013... I got one of those like rare emails where it was like, hey, we like your music. We want you to come and play our summer series. So I went and did a lunchtime show on that equivalent stage, you know, but however many years ago. And um, it opened uh, me up to be in contact with Canary Wharf PLC, who were organizing that event. And um, I did that show and actually it was a really cool thing. So I, I was like on the big TV screens. There mm-hmm. was a professional photographer there. I just did an acoustic set. It was super nerve wracking. There were probably like, I don't know, a couple of hundred people like sat down, like, but there were grassy patches, you know, it wasn't yeah. like sold out. And it was just like a lunchtime thing for all the bankers that yeah, right. sat there. Um, and it was really fun though. Really, really great. And then, um, and they paid me, which was just shocking. And I was like, whoa, okay. And it was like a good fee, yeah. really, really good fee. Um, and then they opened up a conversation with me and they were like, oh, we're doing a winter series. Uh, we'd love you to come and play for that too. And I was like, okay, cool. Obviously I'm in. Yeah. Um, but it turned into something different, I think, or like, I don't know, but it <laughs> it turned out to be around like Christmas shopping time. Mm in obviously you couldn't do it outside because the weather was filthy and uh i was basically essentially paid to busk and i was talking about this with francis because there was a bike shop right and i'm talking about francis cade um there was a bike shop down there and i made friends with a guy called Stu, who uh was teaching me all about bikes like every time i had a little break from my busking session although i wasn't really busking i wasn't even asking for money i was just standing there and playing to pretty much no one but Christmas Mm. shoppers sometimes it was good and um I made friends and Francis worked at that shop for like three months and this was both before we started at YouTube but we never met each other because we were both on different shifts so I was always on a shift with I guess Stu Mm -hmm. and then um Francis would listen to another guy who was busking at a different time and I was just like whoa that's such a small world yeah that, that was happening and also this was so long ago 2013 and I did 12 days uh, at this place, but I didn't live in London. I lived in Bristol, which was a three-hour megabus right away. But the sessions would start at like, I don't know, sometimes they'd start at nine mm-hmm. or 10, mm-hmm. and then they'd go on till four or five. <laughs> so, um, or sometimes later if it was Thursday night. So right. I, anyway, it was it was a brutal gig. And I was there like with a little wheelie cart thing um, with my amp and mic stand and I lugged that from Bristol and my acoustic guitar and my songbook and a music stand and then I just do that and I just I I kind of want to do that gig again just to film it I've <laughs> never I wish, I wish I had some documentation of that yeah that's something so crazy I've never busked before in any you've never e- gone busking never ever and it seems terrifying to me it is terrifying yeah that's like, what's so good about it it's, ter- it's terrifying like, like I can literally like step on stage on July 4th. I played on a stage in front of 100,000 people people, and it was, (laughs) it was fine. Like wasn't nervous. Didn't bother me. But the idea of standing like at a, in a train station or something and just like Mm -hmm. standing there and playing Mm -hmm. is 
horrifying. I could never, I don't know that I could do that. <laughs> um, so I had to do it because it, it was a means to an end. And actually I got a lot of good things out of doing it. Like a lot of people would come up and like hand me a business card for their pub. Right. Or if people liked me, they wanted me at their wedding. Like I actually got gigs out of doing it. And then I was really lucky in Bristol, um, where I used to live, I would do three hours on a Saturday morning at, um, for a market. And mm. then uh, one of the cafes would like pay me, like they'd pay me like 40 quid or something. Right. And then, and then I'd, so it would be enough to guarantee like turning up, yeah. Um, uh, you know, worth it. And then, and then I'd be able to take uh, pennies and pounds. But I actually went busking one time in England after Brexit, and um, yeah, things changed. Yeah, <laughs> people were suddenly like, "No, I don't want to give any of my money away. I don't know how long I'm going to have any yeah. of it." And then also, I can't imagine busking now because or being or having to rely on busking now because you need a contactless card reader or something so that right. people can just like right no what no one has cash anymore in England no no one like no way I never carry cash with me ever I just take oh. my phone out places yeah. it's crazy and how yeah. are you meant to pay a busker when you have apps that you know coins on you I, I honestly yeah that, this is how computers take over yeah this is it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, computers have already taken over our lives. So uh, yeah, yeah, um, our but, careers even. <laughs> but um, actually, you know what? This is something that I've been thinking about for a little while, and I want your like thoughts on this. Thinking about um, like my camera is about to run out. Yeah, so is mine. Let me. Let me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh wait. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'm not editing this out of my podcast, by no, the way. No, I'm, I'm not it. editing it yeah, either. It's, it's all raw. <laughs> That's right. People were recording video and audio at the same time. Deal with it. Um, this is why I need to move over to Sony because that A6400 or A6600. The um, 600, yeah. It just... Yeah, it just it just keeps on rolling. Yeah. The 400 keeps rolling too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you That's can do it a on, dream... Yeah. On, on this one, I have the A7 III and you can... But you have to like hack it. You have to download an app and turn it off. Do yeah. you know why they do that? Apparently it's for it's tax... It's tax reasons. Yeah, it's a tax yeah. reason. It, Crazy, right? Oh, otherwise it's Otherwise it's classed as a professional yeah. camera rather than like a hobbyist thing. Well. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, we're just hobbyists, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to talk to you, like get your opinion on uh, or your thoughts, I guess, on like on goals. Like mm -hmm. goals think back maybe a couple of years or think back when you started YouTube and goals that you had then that you've accomplished and then think ahead five years, 10 years. What do you, uh, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Because I'm one of these people that, that thinks that if you can vocalize your goals mm -hmm. and, you know, have the confidence and willingness to like talk to other people about it, in a somewhat humble way that it helps in reaching that goal. So like when you started YouTube, what's something that you wanted to accomplish that you did and what's something that you want to accomplish in the future? I think I definitely had the dream of having a following on YouTube, like an interactive following. I don't think I necessarily ever thought that even a hundred thousand would happen. Um, let alone I'm about, I think maybe tonight or tomorrow or maybe the next day I'm going to hit 150,000, which yeah. is just mind blowing. Like that's mind blowing. But every time I put in, every time I sort of think to myself, right, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, this year I'm going to accomplish 
whatever goal, like uh, whether it's hits, whether it's videos, whether it's, well, actually no, videos is more in my control, whether it's hits or subscriber number. Every time I do that, I get like a life lesson from YouTube where it's like, hey, your video sucked. So no one watched it. And actually, you know what? No one subscribed that much. So well done. So I, I, I'm trying to not rely any happiness or any kind of like motivation on that. Mm-hmm. Instead, what I want is like, okay, these videos are going to be up online almost forever, possibly, just depending. Obviously, we don't know where the world is going or internet's going or whatever. Right, right. And we don't know where YouTube's going, obviously, but we have no control of that. So can't worry about it. But these videos are going to be found, you know, for the next few years by people that might end up liking what I'm doing. So how do I improve those videos? How do I get better at making like beautiful videos? Because like I have already changed my process. Like I think about if I was learning guitar for two years, where I go from beginning to here, like there would be a jump in improvement, but Mm. I wouldn't, I don't think it's quite as drastic as this is, this has been. And like video making for me, because I look at my old vlogs now and I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? (laughs) Um, And now I'm just trying to like, I'm trying to script my video. I'm trying to write and script my videos, which I have never done before. And I'm learning from from you, from Paul, from Adam, like how beneficial it is. Because I used to just switch on a camera, just talk. Well, that's, that's that's what I do. I don't script anything. You must have like, but you have themes of what you want to talk about. Um, sometimes like, okay, I, well, damn, you're impressive then. Cause well, it, it feels like it's scripted in a good way, but here's what I do though. This is, uh, somebody was asking me about this the other day. So like the Kemper Helix video that I just mm-hmm. put up like last week. Great I'll, opening. Great opening. Thank that you. That was so cinematic. And um, beautiful. So like the talking portions, what I'll do is, you know, I'll have an idea of like, okay, I want to start here and I want to end here. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I might jot this down, like, okay, I want to talk about these maybe two or three things. And then I'll just sit on the camera. That sounds weird. I'll turn on the camera and (laughs) do a, I'll just talk kind of stream of Mm -hmm. consciousness, you know, do my intro talk. And then I'll pull that section out, dump it into the computer and edit just that one section and then go back and watch it and say, okay, cool. That works. Now what I want to say next and then pop the card back in, do my next segment, pull it out, edit it. And I'll do that until I've got the flow of the video done. And what's cool is by the time you're done filming, you're also pretty much done editing. Done edited. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've gone through phases where I'll do I'll do a similar thing yeah. just to get portions done. You're like, you feel like you have to complete something to be able to move on. And so you don't miss anything. Almost. Yeah. 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 That's it. Super interesting. I obviously still do the unscripted stuff because it's, it's a way of just creating it to be more natural, but I've been watching a lot of, um, a lot of videos about like, uh, productivity and filmmaking. Uh, one guy I absolutely adore who I managed to meet quite briefly, but for a coffee in LA in January, uh, it's called Matt Diavella. Oh yeah. Have you ever watched his stuff? Holy moly. His videos are so stunning. Yeah. And I basically want to be him. I right. want to make those kinds of videos, but for, for music. Yeah. And, and I kind of love that he's basically giving away all the answers to yeah. everything. And I just want to be that person. I just want to give away all the answers to everything music. Um, just so that no one ever feels like there is that, wall anymore 
I just, I, I've always hated that because I've always hit that wall yeah. <laughs> when it comes to like the traditional music industry. So now I'm on a mission to literally reveal every single secret about writing songs, recording songs, marketing songs. And obviously I'm doing it on a really small scale. Mm -hmm. So actually it's really realistic and, and achievable for people because it's like, I'm on a baby scale too. Like I'm not, I'm not funding my records with thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars. I'm doing it on nothing. So how do you do that and create a living? And like, that's going to be way more beneficial than me just being like, oh yeah, you have to have a hundred grand and then you pay a PR person and you just hope for the best because that's just a hundred grand down the drain. Yeah. I, speaking of down the drain, I don't know if you can hear my plumbing in the background. Um, <laughs> People but, will be able to hear traffic my end too. <laughs> um, I don't think you're doing it on a baby scale though, because like, yes, in, and this is, I think, part of our nature as maybe people who work in a creative field. You're always like looking ahead and looking at people that are so much further down the road than you and like comparing yourself to what they're doing is like, oh, well, yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm just doing this. Whether it's, you know, subscriber numbers or success of a record or whatever. But I would say that you're not doing it on a baby level um, because as somebody like, you know, I'm now getting to the point for the first time in my life where I'm starting to mess around with the idea of like, you know what, maybe I want to put out some music, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. which is something I've always wanted to, wanted to do, but never thought that I was like good enough to do or capable enough or had the right, you know, my, uh, my voice on my instrument wasn't good enough or all these reasons that you come up with to kind of talk yourself out of it because you're scared. But I look at somebody like you who is doing it by themselves and is like actually taking the steps necessary to get this stuff done and get it out. And to me, that's not baby level, right? Like where mm -hmm. I'm at is baby level, which is like, maybe I could do this one day. And I go, I don't know, maybe not. Like you're actually doing it. You're actually taking the steps necessary to make it happen. And you're doing it in a really smart and productive way to you know, utilize things like YouTube and Instagram to get your music out there and get tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people to hear what you're doing. Mm -hmm. In the past, you're right, that would take massive budgets and support from a record label and publicity people. And, you know, there is st still parts of the industry that work that way. And I work with those yeah. artists. But, I mean, dude, the reality is like, with the platform that you've built through YouTube and Instagram and just the internet in general, you have now have a massive audience to put your music out there to. And then later down the road, like we were talking before we got on, like you want to tour, that's going to be huge because you now have markets all over the world of people that are listening to your stuff and dig what you're doing. Like that's not baby level at all. No, you're right. I think maybe I'm, that's really, really cool to hear. Um, and especially like, I want to, I want you to put out music. Definitely. Most definitely. Um, but, um, and if you ever need a vocalist, I owe you, <laughs> you know, I do. You're like, yeah, she owes me. She owes me big. Um, but I think, and I am excited that this has happened, um, you know, to, to, to be deemed as like a YouTuber, who has like a good channel is just, that is a, that's a dream. Like to wake up every day and be like, okay, no one, obviously YouTube could take that away from me by just deleting my account. But like, at least I've got it. Like, you know, at, at least like 
have some evidence of me having done that yeah. myself. Right. Um, and I know you know how many hours and hours and hours and how many moments of self-doubt, how many moments of failure. Mm-hmm. Like I love, I love YouTube because you fail over and over and over and yeah. over. Yeah. And it just becomes like, you're just like, oh, cool. I failed again. Cool. Yeah. Next thing. Yeah. Move on. Right. Right. Pick myself up. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I just, I think it's because I started at zero with no contacts, no money. And I'm still, I, I do have contacts in a realm of amazing human beings. Like right. I feel like I, we've spoken about this before, but my YouTube friends, I've done some amazing things with some amazing creators. Um, and, but the reason that they wanted to work with me and I wanted to work with them is because you can see the the work. Yeah. You can see it, like you can see the evidence. It's not just down to like, oh, your daddy having money mm-hmm. or like, there's, there's none of that. And there's like, oh, you're, oh, you're someone having contacts who's right. just like helped you out with the person who can get you in. And then you're lucky. You're one of those lucky 1% to actually be able to even, even either, either get signed and actually have a record deal that goes through um, or become, you know, super duper famous and right. whatever. But like, I'm just, I'm excited that I really have built this from the ground up. And like, I have had, I've had help from really good people, but they've also been on their own journeys. They're not, they're not trying to take anything away from me. They're not trying to like take 20%. Yeah. They're just like, Hey, we see what you're doing. We love it. We're just going to invest in you in this way. This is what I can offer you. And it's like you recording guitars for my EP. Like that's just killer. Like for me to think I grew up in a tiny little town in Salisbury in England, uh, where, you know, the music industry, like Nashville or Atlanta or New York, LA, like that is such a world away for a little English girl. And then, um, to suddenly, you know, have all these incredible players like on this, on this record, which will eventually come out in October guys, (laughs) meant to be September, but you know, stuff happens. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just like complete dream come true. So I actually think if, and I was talking with a friend, um, who I, uh, did a video with, I got her on the phone for a video. I was just like, Hey, can I call you up and talk about this music video that we made together 10 years ago? Um, it's been private on my channel. And then I finally revealed it. It's so embarrassing, but it's so funny and cute and lovely. Uh, she won a BAFTA, um, for directing a YouTube show actually called History Bombs. So it's like a, a kid's BAFTA um, for this educational TV series. Yeah. She's 29 too. So, uh, well, YouTube series, sorry. Um, and we were just talking and we were just like, whoa, look at us. We're actually still doing it. Yeah. Like our bank accounts are not where we thought they might be. Yeah. You know, within 10 years, we were like, oh, we're going to be millionaires. <laughs> we're going to be, <laughs> we're going to have Grammys coming out of everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Oscars and everything. And we're like, oh no, that doesn't happen. Um, But we're still doing it. And that's like, that's the most impressive thing. So for me, numbers are a good metric to definitely have a goal for. And, but the best thing about YouTube is like, if you keep uploading, you will keep growing and it will get to that point. It might take years and years and years and years and years, but it will get there. If you give up, it won't get there. Right. So those are your two choices. Either you keep going and you keep uploading and you find a sustainable way for you to actually keep doing it. Like I, I wanted recently, I was like, oh, maybe I should be uploading like five times a week. And then I was like, 
that is the quickest way for me to burn out. Right. And then I will fail right. because that I just can't do that, especially with the videos I'm trying to make now where I give myself a week and it takes me a week to make them. Yeah. Where, you know, if I gave myself two days, it would take me two days to make them, but they wouldn't be the standard that they could be if I give, if I actually give myself a solid week. Yeah. So, um, and it obviously just depends on like what's happening in my life. Like if I have something worth vlogging, then that will be a very different video to the scripted videos. Oh yeah. But, um, the big goal for me and the unrealistic kind of, it would be awful if it happened goal because it would be like the pinnacle is Wembley stadium. So that's 80,000 people. If I paid for all my subscribers to go there, I could sell it out for almost two nights running. So that's kind of cool, but I can't afford to do that. Right. So I'm just going to have to wait until someone in the traditional music industry that has a route to be able to do that goes, right, okay, let's let her in. Let's let her in the club. But at the moment, there is no interest. Like people ask me all the time, they're like, are you getting any label interest? And I'm like, nope, no one is, no one is knocking at my door. Yeah. Which actually I think is a good thing because I still don't think I'd even be ready for that. Or would it even be the right thing for me right now? Probably yeah. not. So well, that's something, yeah, that's actually really interesting is like knowing, I, I went through that for a long time too when I was like first starting to tour and play out. And like I, I realized by looking at players who were on the big stages and on the big tours, I knew enough about myself and where I was to know it's like, okay, I'm not ready for that. Like if that gig came to me at this point, I would not know what to do with it. But -hmm. you keep plugging away at it. You keep playing gigs. You keep doing the smaller stuff and learning and failing and learning from those failures. And then you get to the point where, you know, yeah, you can, you can walk on stage in front of a hundred thousand people and not be worried about it. You know, where if, if that had happened to me six or seven years ago, I would have been a hot mess. I would have played like garbage. It, w- it would have been a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. With the traditional music industry thing, I mean, who who even knows how that industry works anymore and where it's going? But I've noticed, um, you know, because I, I'd still do the hired gun thing and play for artists in the traditional music industry you know, as, as my channel has started to grow over the last like 18 months, I've noticed interest from, you know, not just my artist friends who are super gracious in letting me like bring a camera out on the road and film, you know, the unglamorous side of being on the road. Like that's super cool mm-hmm. of them to let me do. But also now I'm starting to see some interest from like their management and people are like saying, oh, well, you know, what, what if you, could you, they're, and they're asking me to like, could you maybe shoot some video of this and maybe talk about mm-hmm. this? So what that's telling me is like, oh, they're starting to catch on. And if you give mm-hmm. this five to 10 years and people like you are continuing to make videos of being the artist and showing the artist's life and building the following of people who are interested in that, eventually I think the industry is going to follow suit and people like you are going to be on top of that wave and on the front of it. And who knows, man? I mean, right now you look at Wembley stadium as like, well, that could never happen. I mean, that's just so ridiculous. And you're almost, you know, it's like, you're almost embarrassed to even admit to yourself that that's something that you would mm-hmm. really want, you know, yeah. because it seems so far fetched, but mm-hmm. that's exactly how I felt uh, when I decided to start doing YouTube in January of 2018, the New Year's mm-hmm. Eve, my resolution was like 10,000 subscribers 
And I was embarrassed to even say that we, we were at a, we had a small little get together for New Year's Eve at our house and down in Decatur in Atlanta. And we were all just talking about it. And I said, yeah, I want to do 10,000 subscribers in the year. And even when I said that, I was kind of like, yeah, but that can't happen. Like, there's no way that could happen. That's ridiculous. 10,000 people, like, come on, it's crazy. And I did it in eight months. And it was just from that thing of like, keep uploading, keep working, keep plugging away at it. Thousands and thousands of hours of work went into that. And then Mm -hmm. you hit it and you're like, oh, okay, well, now on to the next thing, you know? So who knows? I mean... (laughs) With, with this YouTube thing, nobody really knows where it's going or what it can do. But the very least, you know, I'm excited that we can make videos and, ha- and, and people watch them and are excited to, at the very least, like, go pick up their guitars and go play, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. Those emails change my day. Yeah. Like, if, I get, if I get one of those emails where it's just like, hey, you've inspired me to... I never thought of myself as a songwriter so because I couldn't write lyrics. And then I was like, oh, wait, I, I, could, I can write lyrics because you can write words. Like if you can speak your language, <laughs> you can write lyrics. Like you can write anything. It can be about anything. Yeah. You can write lyrics. You can be a lyricist, even if you're just a guitar player, just a guitar player. Right. Um, those, those emails change my, oh, when people are like, oh, yeah, um, I'm going back to basics. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing... <laughs> I'm doing something at the moment, which I kind of broke yesterday, but it's because I was I was writing a song that that I I'm practicing guitar finally. Yeah, like I'm actually practicing an hour a day of scales and chords and really really starting because I'm embarrassed about how little I know, mm-hmm. and luckily I can rely on my ear training from classical music to know that I'm playing things musically. But like really sitting down and just being like, what chords am I playing for this song? Like. Yeah. I just need to write the lyrics down and actually just figure out what chords am I playing. And um, I'm day four. I haven't done my hours practice yet today. But yesterday it was really fascinating because it's already changed my songwriting. I wrote a song yesterday that I'm going into the studio tomorrow night to record. I managed to find three hours in this huge, busy studio where it's just like, hey, luckily I've got a friend there who I've been working with on another project. And I was just like, hey, I'm desperate to record this song. I want to put it out in the world like next week. Yeah. Like that's my challenge to myself. I'm just gonna, it's just gonna be an acoustic track. Like it's gonna, it's a heartbreaking song. Um, it's just got a really good story. It's got a strong hook. I just need to go and get it done. And um, I just think like being able to do that because of, and it's simple, like it's not like super guitar licky, like the chords, you know, proper chords. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so even just going back to basics, I'm suddenly like, oh, okay that's inspired me to write this song. So I always need to be educating myself and always like really, really value that time. Yeah. And so for, for, for people like you, where um, your videos inspire me to really like push myself and like think about things differently. And I just think, you know, to, to the people who are in the middle of nowhere or middle of somewhere, to be able to see a career musician like yourself or like someone who's trying to build a songwriting career like me, um, just putting in the work. Like, I think they're just going to be more inspired than, you know, when people are like, oh, there aren't rock gods anymore. I'm like, no, but that was unattainable. Yeah. That was, un- being Jimi Hendrix was, is not possible yeah. <laughs> for anyone else other than Jimi Hendrix. Go be you. Yeah. What can you do? What can you give the world? What Like, how can you leave your mark? Because we're all in this together ultimately yeah. like we we need to like 
put some beautiful things out into the world while the world feels like it's falling apart. Yeah. So how do we go about that? And just, just for people to even like have their day slightly improved by learning something on the guitar and feeling that, like we know that feeling of finally cracking something or like getting out of your comfort zone and writing lyrics about something vulnerable mm -hmm. to you, Yeah. you know, I just think that's that's the real value of this whole game. Yeah. Like numbers, numbers are cool. They're impressive to some people, but really I just can't wait for, I can't wait for like our uh, audience or, or like basically a team of people who are going to turn around and say like, we've given them something more than maybe someone else has given them or like can give them. Yeah. Because, and they're going to be loyal to us because like we're actually putting in the work and we're actually being open. We're being honest. We're talking about all our screw ups. Yeah. All our failures. Like I watched um, Paul's video yesterday where he got fired from his job. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I've been in that same position where he was trying to go for an office job. And then he suddenly realized he was like, wait, I don't want to work in an office. Yeah. And that's so many people. So many people just think that, that is the route. Right. I thought that was the route. I went and worked in recruitment after um, finishing university because I didn't think a music industry career was ever going to happen for me. So, you know, everyone has that self-doubt and everyone has that, like, but but the coolest thing is that actually with hard work and a lot of hard work and then a lot of, you do have to be a little bit talented because you have to have that sort of je ne sais quoi to like get you out into the world. But, yeah. but the hard work is the real thing. Yeah. You can't be, you know... You can't be one or other. It's interesting. Like for me, the only reason I didn't go that traditional route is because literally I failed. I I wasn't by the traditional standard model capable of following that route. Like I wasn't capable of finishing a four-year college degree. I wasn't even mm -hmm. capable of finishing my freshman year of college like at all. I left my freshman year mm -hmm. of college with a, uh, a below. Do you guys have GPA over in? No. Over, no, okay. We have well, a B C D. Oh no! And at university, we have a different number. Yeah, but it's like your your grade average, your grade point average, or whatever. Okay. And so what's a good grade? Four O is like perfect. Of your okay, like a four O GPA is like perfect. And if you're like anywhere between, I think like three two eight and above, you're like solid. I left my freshman year of college below one. I had like a point eight. GPA or something like that. And it was so bad that literally the college I went to, this tiny little private school up in North Georgia in the mountains, sent my parents a letter saying like, hey, oh, no. um, his grades are so bad he can't come back. Like basically your money is no good here. And so I ended up going to a small like community college near me here in, in, uh, in Gwinnett and same thing, like failed out of community college. And I look back on that and at the time it was heartbreaking because all my friends were in school and they were like doing super well and it looked like they were all on the path to like success and graduating, getting great jobs. And now I look back and like I'm so unbelievably thankful that that didn't happen for me because of the path that it put me on with music and mm -hmm. finding myself in this path and the fact that I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, which is what would have happened had I continued on. Um and, you know, I'm doing something that I'm truly passionate about. And so that I, that's what, for me, the whole like no plan B thing is about. And the channel, you know, I struggled for a long time with my YouTube channel thinking like, well, what is it about? People ask like, what is your channel about? And I was like, ah, uh, I don't 
no, like guitar and yeah. like some gear stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know. What is it about? It's about you. Yeah. And, and that's the thing <laughs> is like, I've realized now I, I'm making videos that I wish I had been able to watch when I was 14 and 15 and like first starting out with a guitar in my hand mm -hmm. and like didn't know anything you know, I wish I could have watched a video of a of a player like out on tour and like seeing what that's yeah. really like or somebody talking about amps or what type of pickups or whatever. Like all that stuff is valuable information that, you know, I wish I had had when I was a kid. Yeah, know? I mean, I, I've that has hit me hard this week um, because I've been sitting with a notebook to write all the things I've been practicing and like write notes and, you know, actually write out tab and write out um, exactly what notes I'm playing. Um, and then I've had my laptop next to me because, and this is how little I've practiced <laughs> in my lifetime. I can't believe, I definitely have not practiced like properly since I was maybe 18 or 19. Um, when I was like trying to like break my right hand into, uh, finger style. Yeah. But, um, I, I was just like, I don't know what the chord this is. What the hell is this chord? And then obviously there's like a chord finder online now. And I could just like literally type in and I was like, what the hell? Like 15 year old me would have killed for this. <laughs> this is insane. And then also going on YouTube and finding my friends, people who are my friends to teach me things. Yeah. That's, that's mind blowing. I'm like, oh, I know these people who are on YouTube making these guitar videos and they're now teaching me something. Oh my God. It's absolutely mind blowing. I can't, basically, this is the hard hitting truth here. Okay. If you have a guitar in your house and you want to learn guitar and you haven't learned guitar or you haven't like taken the steps to learn guitar, there is literally no more cost. Like, yeah. yes, your guitar might be a bit crappy and so you might have to like go and get it set up or you might have to change some strings and that does cost money. And I know that money can be awfully tight, but when it comes to YouTube and all the things on there, like there is no reason that you shouldn't actually be able to be as good as Jimi Hendrix now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm saying that because like, there is so much stuff that before there was more more money. Like you had to buy guitar books. Yep. You had to Lessons. buy backing track CDs. Yep. Backing tracks are free now. Like you can jam away and basically shred to your heart's content on backing tracks on YouTube. Uh, magazines, mm -hmm. like all the articles are online now. You can read them. You can read about all the latest gear, all the stuff. It's being reviewed by every single YouTuber under the sun. But, oh my God, this is incredible. This is going to produce, I only hope this is going to produce more guitarists and uh, more musicians and not necessarily careerist people. Like, you don't have to make a career out of yeah. this because that ruins it in another way. But like, having it as your therapy for your day-to-day -day life, having it as this thing that is only yours. No one can take that away from me. No one, like no one can play guitar for you. Yeah. You stand up and you do that, whether it's in front of people or whether it's in your bedroom, like no one can say that you haven't worked hard to be able to do that. And I think we need that more than ever in this world because do you know what I did yesterday? I did my first ever um, VR experience. Oh, really? Oh my God, I can see the world, like, I, I can see that that is better than real life. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm like so scared. I'm like, I can't do it anymore because I know I'll get addicted to that whole thing. But guitar is real and like, you know, it's, it's measurable. Like you can, you learn new songs and stuff. Like it's just, yeah. Anyway. It, it's something you can do for the rest that? of your life. You can play guitar for the rest of your life and still learn something every single time you pick it up. And it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, you'll like, never complete it. 
You'll never yeah. complete guitar. And that's incredibly valuable as human beings. And it's even more than that. Like aside from the mechanics of it, it helps people find their voice. Like for me, that's what was so, you know, cause I, I did struggle a lot as a kid, you know, I, I was bullied a little bit growing up and, and, you know, not nearly as bad as a, a lot of people were, but enough that it stuck with me and, you know, always struggled through school because I didn't fit the traditional model. I didn't fit the mm-hmm. standardized, the way I learned didn't fit that model. And so I literally grew up most of my life, even into my early to mid twenties, feeling like I was just stupid and not capable of accomplishing much of anything because growing up, that's what the school system and the, the, the way I was taught told me was like, well, yeah, yeah. you don't measure up to your peers because then mm-hmm. here's the numbers to back that up. Like literally mm-hmm. here are the grades to say you don't fit in this. And mm-hmm. The thing that saved me was getting a guitar for Christmas. My dad bought me a guitar and it was an afterthought. It was a, oh, maybe he'll, he'll pick this up and be into it. And literally I have not stopped playing guitar since that day. And it, it completely, I mean, it probably saved my life on some level. If you really want to get deep into it, like Mm -hmm. I, it gave me a voice. It gave me something to pursue and it finally showed me like, oh, I have something of value to offer the world and I have something um, to give back and something that I'm capable of being at least not terrible at, which compared to everything else that I had going on when I was growing up, I was pretty much terrible at everything I tried. Like I was horrible at sports, made horrible grades, you know, And guitar and music was my thing that I kind of just took to and it was my refuge. And so, you know, a big part of why I make videos now is to help people find that thing and find their voice on the instrument. And it doesn't matter if you never step out of your bedroom, if you never play a gig, it's not what this is about. It's about picking something up and pursuing it and learning from it and growing in it and finding your voice and your passion in it whatever yeah. that is you know i think i think there's more value than ever and it's something i really i do try and communicate it in my videos too because it's like don't think of this as a career thing yeah like think of that's like just don't even do not even get into that realm because you need something for you now more than ever and i think um maybe social media has changed that thing because like we used to do things for ourselves that no one would ever know about because you didn't have a platform and I'm not even just talking about us like you know obviously we have followings on that that help us earn a living but for normal people who don't want to be doing that as a career and be a musician as a career you don't need to have uh, obviously there are other uh, other jobs as well that I need to really think about this before I say it Um, and I'm not even going to edit that out I'm like okay how do I make sure that this makes sense okay unless you want to pursue a career where you need an audience which does apply to many many things and obviously you, you can basically make a career on social media out of anything anything you're interested in but if you're not the person to do that and want or want to do that don't force yourself to be one of those people and really like really bring something back to yourself so that doesn't mean you can't share your journey on mm-hmm. something, but like guitar really and songwriting and 
or just writing poetry or like something creative or whether it's just like cleaning your car or like something like something that is actually kind of like physical and creative with your hands and whether that's cooking, whether that's gardening, like all those things make your life better for a re- like they make your life better right? because they take you out of the worry because when you're being creative, you are out of yourself for like a second. And for me, what I've started realizing like after the past year I've had where my career has been better than ever, but my personal life has been so strange and topsy-turvy and just like so, so weird um, in a good and a bad way, like everything, just everything has happened to me this year. The thing that stops me from being in my head and, you know, sometimes feeling a little low is working, working on something creative. And it's not working as in like, oh, this is my nine to five job. Like this is like me just like trying to form something out of nothing. Yeah. And when you complete that thing, you get another idea that, because you've learned something from that and you've learned how to do it, whatever it is. And then you learn how to um, improve on that or you just learn from your mistakes and not to make the same mistakes again. So you might take a different route. But I just, I just think that is the best thing ever. Like, let's take ourselves out of our heads and our social media numbers and just make something out of nothing. Yeah. Because that's what humans can do. That That is the thing that makes us different from everything else on this planet. So how exciting is that? That's I, so exciting. Yeah. And and I never like hearing people say like, well, I'm not creative or I'm not artistic oh or I don't God. have. It's like, no, if you're a human bre- being and you're alive and breathing, you are inherently creative. Yeah. Whether it's something, and that's the whole like sort of left brain, right brain mentality, which to me is kind of absurd. Like people use both sides of their brain all the time. You're not like only using the left side of your brain and analyzing everything all the time. It's people are inherently creative. And there is what you're talking about is that, that it's like the art of finishing, like mm-hmm. being able to get in the habit of formulating an idea, executing that idea, and then being able and willing to put an end to it and say, okay, this is done. Even though it's not perfect, there's always something more you could do. On a video, you know, after I'm done editing, I'll do one more final watch of it. And I'm like, oh, I could do this here. I could put this shot in here and I could change this or I could redo this. It's like, nope, it's done and it's finished and I'm going to put it up. And you, you gain something every single time you finish whatever it is you set out to do, no matter how big or how small it is, when you complete something, you you feel better. You feel like it, it, there's a release and something's been lifted off of you and you learn something from it. It's incredibly valuable. It's even even in things as, as small as like getting up and making your bed in the morning, like that, that getting in the act of like, yeah. okay, I'm going to do, I don't have to do this. Like there's nothing that says I have to make my bed in the morning, but I'm going to get up and do this thing and I'm going to complete this task. And it's like, bam, I've already started the day by getting stuff done. You know, that's, that's so valuable. Um, yeah. I, I honestly, I love, I love the, the idea of, um, well, you have to admit to yourself, like if you are a perfectionist, it's because you're scared. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you're scared of like people looking at it and going, well, that sucks. Yeah. Whereas really like you have to encourage that people are going to, like you have to encourage yourself to be like, okay, people are going to look at this and go, that sucks. And like 
that's okay because <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone starts from there. Like no one is like, no one's a professional whatever from their first get. The, the whole point of this is that they have failed and failed and failed and failed and sucked and sucked and sucked. But the thing is they started on day one. They had like you and your YouTube videos. Um, in terms of you making your New Year's resolution, the first day you go in with such gusto and you're like, yes, I'm going to do this. This is great. The second day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I have to do this again. Okay. (laughs) And luckily, luckily you turned up the second day. Then the third day is even harder. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, it might even get harder. Might, might actually make you want to quit. Like every single day you might actually hate it. But really you'll wake up after a certain amount of days and you'll go, oh my God, I'm in love with this thing. And I'm in love with what it's doing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's even just me thinking about this bloody guitar practice challenge I've set myself. Like the fact I'm so ashamed of myself. So I have to admit to everyone that I don't know anything mm-hmm. really. I can play guitar in my own way, but I don't even know the basics. And I've actually, I've been posting the behind the scenes because I will make a video out of it, obviously, because that's my job. Right. But uh, I've been posting the behind the scenes on my Patreon page and the amount of other people that have chimed in and been like, yeah, I can shred to my heart's content, but I don't know this chord. Yeah. Or like, I don't know this scale. Right. Like, isn't that insane? I never learned the basics. So, you know, there there are so many, there are shortcuts. And that's the, that's the annoying thing. It's like, there are shortcuts to figuring stuff out. Yeah. But then you'll get found out later. Right. So like, if you take those shortcuts, you're going to get found out and you have to be open and honest with yourself when you get found out. And that was actually me when I started my YouTube channel, because I focused it around guitar, but I was really coming from a learning perspective. And then I was sat next to Pete Honore and Lee Anderton. And I realized I couldn't improvise. I didn't know even how to improvise. I didn't even know a pentatonic scale. I didn't even realize that that was a way to be able to solo. I didn't even realize that's how you could do it. I just yeah. thought it was all ear training. I literally thought people were just like me, like being like, okay, they, they're self-taught. So this is how they did it. And I just, I felt like an absolute idiot because I hadn't even looked at a book to right. be like, okay, what scales should, like maybe even all my years of classical training of which I failed tremendously at as well. Like we can always get into that on another, uh, another <laughs> conversation, but um, the amount of times I had phone calls, your whole uh, college story reminded me of all the phone calls that my parents got when I had fucked up. And I will say that <laughs> I will swear at that point because I ruined so many things and I wasted so much of my parents' hard earned money on these music lessons because I didn't put in the work Yeah, and I failed exams and I got people angry with me, whether they were actually angry with me you know, they were disciplining me. Right. Like the amount of times I did that and then I'd wake up like the next day and, you know, there would be another phone call. I'd be like, oh my God, I did it again. I failed again. I yeah. sucked again. That's yeah. cool. How do I, how do I ever break out of this habit? And I never broke out of it until I was 26, 27, right. when I finally like figured some stuff out. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm going off on a, on a rant, but like, it's just so exciting that this is, I mean, even just having this sort of conversation and being really open and honest about like everything that's gone wrong, that's such a, such a change to this whole music game. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think it needs to change. Um, and I think, you know, somebody's gotta be the voice of the change, you know, and, and going to what you were talking about earlier, like, you know, putting the time in and showing up like, 
the the time is going to pass regardless and you are going to get to a point a year from now, six months from now, whatever it is, and you're going to look back and you're going to think, you're going to feel one of two ways. You're mm-hmm. either going to look back and go, oh, shit, I, you know, I, I meant to start practicing like six months ago and okay, maybe I'll get to it this week. Or mm-hmm. you're going to look back and be like, oh my God. God, remember where I was six months ago and now look at where I am now. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm so glad and so happy I started putting the time in six months ago or a year ago, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel about my YouTube channel when I first started it and it was like two subscribers a day, one subscriber to, oh, negative four subscribers a day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember I remember that time very well too. Yeah. Me. And it was like yeah. that for six months. Like I had that, I had that for nine years. Yeah. But like, I wasn't up, I wasn't uploading in the same way, but I was still uploading videos every so often and I would just see failure immediately. Yeah, it was it was for me of like, okay, I'm gonna start YouTube. And it was the first six months of ju- and, mm-hmm. and like being on the phone with Rick Beato, he's like, I don't get it. Why are your videos not working? Why is your thing not, you know? And be like, I, I don't know. And you know, literally like seeing days of negative subscribers or one subscriber and having this goal of like, you know, and then April, May, June of that year comes around and it's like, oh my God, I'm the 10,000 subscriber thing is never going to happen. And then you just keep putting the work in and then it clicks and then now you're, you're off and rolling. And then here I am, you know, not very long later in the grand scheme of things from January of 2018 to what are we, September of 2019. That's not that long. Mm -hmm. And it's completely changed my life. Like forget the numbers, forget the subscriber for count and all that stuff. Like this job, this thing has completely changed my life for the better, just alone in the relationships and the people like you who I've gotten to meet and become friends with across the world and the people that I've met who watch the videos and are impacted mm-hmm. by the videos, like that is, that's it, man. Like that's worth the price of admission alone for me. And it's like, you just have to make that decision. Like, okay, that video sucked. Nobody watched it. Or, you know, I was on a gig and my I, my solos sucked and I sounded horrible. I'm going to show up and put the work in and get better and step back up to the plate and swing again, even though you guys don't have baseball in the UK. <laughs> I got the reference. Don't worry. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's it, man. Just show up and do the work. Show up and do the work. Yeah. I mean, and and you can't do everything in one day. No. Like you can't do everything in one year. So I've I've written a to do list recently that is like really what are the things that I really want to do? Yeah. Like not just not just the things I think I should do. What are the things I really really want to do? Are there so there are things like, I want to be able to lift heavy weights. That's not something I really want to do. I don't care for that. I want yeah. to be fit and I yeah. want to be fit and healthy and I want to be able to live a good lifestyle. So that's the thing. It's not the little, you know, it's not the specializing in, it's not even the specializing in like cycling. It's like, I want to be able to go cycling with my friends, but I don't want to compete in cycling. Okay. Yeah. So that's out the window. So yeah, I want to be fit and healthy for my lifespan. Cool. So that's a priority. But then what are the really like creative things that I want to be really, really good at? And there are two things that come to mind after filmmaking, which is definitely something I really, really want to learn more about and really figure some stuff out. And luckily I can learn every week because I have to because of Tuesday Talks. But the other thing is guitar. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I play guitar already and I'm making a career out of playing guitar and singing to that guitar. But like, I really, really want to 
be somewhere at the end of my life where I've gone, I put in the right amount of hours that I can die happy. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like that's how, that's how <laughs> out of my head. I like, that's how big this is all getting. And then the other thing is to learn French. Like I've always said to myself, oh, I'd really love to learn French. Have I put in any hours of learning French? Absolutely not. Right. I wasted all my education. I didn't listen. I even went to France and spoke French for a little bit one summer. Forgot all of it immediately. Um, and I really, really want to do that. Like, I want to also learn Spanish and um, all these other languages. But can I even master one? <laughs> Probably not. Right. So I, I need to kind of figure that out and I need to work at it. So um, the gym, yeah, definitely was a thing that I needed to just build into my routine. But now I'm trying to build in other things to my routine. And French is on the back burner. Um, while I figure out my guitar routine because I'm already struggling with just like getting an hour of guitar practice and my job revolves around guitar. So to be doing something completely left field is is French, but I know that I when I get to it um, and I'm being honest with myself, knowing that I can't start it today. And that's the other thing, like be honest with yourself. Like if you're going to have a horrible working week where you know you can't practice guitar, get through that week, forgive yourself, start again same yeah. with gym like yeah. if you hate the gym and you're tired and when you get home from work and you just want to put some netflix on maybe you can help yourself by cooking a healthy meal rather than ordering takeout ordering takeout but really you have to forgive yourself for that bad week and then just be like try and limit the damage try and limit the damage in anything you're trying to do and then and then start the next week yeah. and just and you just constantly have to be starting over and over and over and over yeah. until you realize like you're just doing it out of habit. Yeah. Like that's it. You have to fail over and over and over yeah. <laughs> to be able to master it. Well, the, on the guitar thing for you, I think, I think you should rest assured you are selling yourself short as a guitarist, like as one guitar player to another, you are not nearly as unskilled as you're making yourself sound. Like you've got chops. I, you can I am play. aware. I am aware that I can play. I'm, I'm, I am a guitarist. Um, I just, there are, there are things that I am lacking yeah. that I am very, very aware of. And they're the things that I actually want to, I can, I could forgive myself. I could be like, right. I'm, yeah, I don't really care about learning guitar. Cool. I'm going to keep playing. Yeah. And I know musicians. I actually went on tour with a musician once where she was literally like, I don't, I don't want to practice. I'm at, I'm at the level I want to get at. I want to invest my time in songwriting and I want to invest my time in making sure that my business succeeds. Yeah. So I'm at a certain level with, with piano. I don't need to improve anymore. I can keep playing. I can keep writing at this level. So how do I move on? Whereas like, I'm like, no, I, I want to improve my guitar playing. I yeah. always want to be, I always want to be a learner um, because that's just, you know, it's just the thing I want to do. Yeah. So it's really just figuring out what your goal is. Um, but that's also exciting because it means that I can actually, like I do have a foundation, like me learning scales. I'm like, oh no, I know how to play guitar a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I can actually play them and right. I can actually remember them when I learn them. It's just the fact that I have to sit down and learn them. Yeah. Same with chords. Like I'm playing lovely, lovely chords and I know what sounds good and I know how to make a song sound good, but <laughs> they sound good. Um, <laughs> but really what are those chords? Like, I want to be able to talk to you and I want to be able to be like, oh, that's just a B7, you know? Like, right. I want to be able to say that. And at the moment, I actually can't. So, you know, 
and and whether it's just like basic things like I was I was playing uh I wrote it down actually because this is such a it's such a beautiful chord and I put it into the guitar thing and this will make you laugh okay so it described itself initially as G major 7 sus 2 with an added sharp 11 okay so which is basically a D major 7 over G yeah so that confused me at first because I was like, well, why doesn't, like, how, how am I ever meant to learn all that stuff? And then I'm like, okay, I can simplify it. And I, yeah. and then I looked at my hands and I looked at what I was doing and I was like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. And right. I was just like, that's so stupid that I didn't even know that <laughs> that's how it worked. So anyway, so my friends are inspiring me to become a better guitar player because of, you know they haven't had necessary classical music background. So they have had to learn those things to be able to play the way they do. So, you know, it's just like, there are different routes and there are shortcuts. It's just, okay, do you have the, do you have the willpower and the honesty to be like, okay, I took some shortcuts in my life. How am I going to go back? How am I going to go back on myself and make sure that I get some building blocks back? Yeah, because well, otherwise you can get stuck in a rut. That's when you start getting stuck. Right. And everyone gets stuck in every creative. Oh, field. that's yeah. The ruts are going to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, like when I think about the things that I really want to get better at and want to do and like accomplish, I want to be an accomplished producer one day. Like to me, I look at, I love producing music honestly as much and sometimes more than playing guitar like when i write those tracks for the videos yeah i love the process and i want to get better at it and i i love listening to records as a whole and and thinking about sounds and arrangements and how they put those albums together and what went into the thought process of of choosing the certain sections and the dynamics and the instrumentation like that to me is so that's where I want to get is like the next step beyond guitar playing is like producing and by proxy songwriting um, and maybe singing. I don't know. I'm, I'm too scared to admit to myself yet if I want to actually learn how to sing. <laughs> well, the producing thing is interesting because I also have that on my big to-do list yeah. of like, okay, one day I would like to be able to produce myself well. I'd like to have the, even I, I don't want to be a producer of every single band, every single genre ever. I want to just be able to make sure that if I capture myself and I can get myself to a level now where, you know, it's fitting for YouTube videos and it's fast paced and I can do it. But how do I get to a level of quality that means that I can just sit down in my studio when I finally have a proper studio um, and actually record acoustic? Because I can engineer well. Yeah. I know I can engineer well. But the mixing side is the is the big thing oh yeah producing but actually producing i think i'm good at i've definitely got enough of an ear to be a classic producer you know the guy that sits in the room and is you know coming up with the ideas and getting the musicians in like i could definitely do that now but it's the mixing that's the the thing which i think people often get confused about when it comes to producing and all the different types of producer you can yeah. be like there are so many different types have you um ever ever um have you got the book Recording Unhinged by Sylvia Massey? No. Uh, and I'm a terrible reader. Do they offer it on audiobook? No, no, no. no. Um, well, no, the whole thing about it is like it's a coffee table book. Oh. So it's not, it's not like a, it's not like, um, uh, what's the book? Um, you know how music works by David yeah, Byrne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like super intimidating to yeah. people who don't read. Do you know what? I actually think there is a 
can't like I don't want to speak for every musician, but I think most musicians do not read. I and yeah. I think I think that is a way to spot like if your kid is at school and they're playing music and you are struggling to get them to read because they're a musician like yeah. my parents had a nightmare i'd never read a book yeah and i have to force myself to read books now like i have to force myself because i don't think about it i think about listening to things yeah. i want to but anyway silver massey um with uh chris johnson wrote um this crazy book the subtitle is uh, creative and unconventional music recording techniques yeah but it's so good and it's basically a picture book of like all these crazy I things. love picture books, man. They ain't got much words. <laughs> I love picture books too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, one of the best things I've bought on Amazon recently is the Led Zeppelin coffee table book. Have you seen this? It's no. it's it's uh, uh it's like forty five bucks on Amazon. It's this big coffee table book and it's just Led Zeppelin by Led Zeppelin. And it's a book that was put together by the surviving members of the band and it's just photographs of the entire life of Led Zeppelin. And it's one of the most compelling and interesting things I've ever seen in my life. It's amazing. So good. That's incredible. Yeah. I love it when you, when, so um, another thing, I think we need to wrap up because yes, I just we probably we've do. over an hour and a half. <laughs> and, and, and less people are, are on like a crazy long commute. I don't know that they're going to listen to this whole thing when <laughs> sitting. But. Well, if they do, we need to come up with a secret thing that they need to write over our social medias. This is the thing I do at the end of my podcast. Oh yeah, I like, listened to that. Okay. I, yep, I made it. If I, you, if you, <laughs> you made it to the end. I made it um, to the end. Uh, okay, so what should? Um, what, uh, oh god. I think. I think. Okay, this is going to be controversial because I haven't approved this by you yet. I think people should write, providing that it's true and they actually want this, that Mary and Rhett should actually do a more regular podcast together. Oh yeah, that's cool with me. We have the gift of the gab together <laughs> and we're both struggling to keep up with our current podcasts because we're failing yeah. every week. Like I I I failed yesterday. I did too. Like I'm I'm really happy I failed yesterday actually because <laughs> now we're actually doing this. Yeah. Um so I think uh uh so say say something like I want Mary and Rhett to do a podcast weekly. Yeah. Done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's uh let's let's see. Is there a or how how about just hashtag Mary and Rhett podcast? That is nice and simple. Yeah. I like the sentences though. So you can choose. You can either do whatever your format of writing comments is. Yeah. Do actually the hashtag at least we'll be able to see that. Right. We'll to see all the right. comments. Okay. Hashtag Mary, Mary and Rhett, Rhett podcast. Podcast. Done. Done. All right. Mary. It's been great. <laughs> This has been so fun. Honestly, we should yeah, call like, it. We should call it like music therapy or something because it's just. <laughs> oh man, it's yeah, guitar it is. therapy. It's cool. It's cool. Like talk to people like the like you who who get it, and you know we can uh, keep up with one another. You know, it's fun. I know. I think we should do this. Okay, right. Uh, I'm gonna end record on everything, but I'm not gonna switch off the phone call so that we can right. Yeah, actually talk about that because right. we probably have to do some logistics. Um, but to everyone who has listened to this podcast and made it to the end, thank you very much for listening to our ramblings. You know what? You should you should record because you've got such a great speaking voice. You should record the intro to my podcast, uh, and I'll record the intro to yours, and it'll be because uh, people in England will. Uh, Actually, hold on. Let's end this because that's going to open up a whole other segment. All right. Yeah. Thanks for listening. It's been great. Right. <laughs> Bye.